Hello and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live within the Upload Virtual Studios where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. I am your host, Kyle, and let's see who else we have on the panel today. Over here across from me, Ian Hamilton. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And Harry Baker. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday slash Thursday to you. Hope you're all doing well. <laughs> now you're just going to confuse everybody here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's Friday for me. All right, I'm in the future. So how's your week been, gentlemen? Well, pretty good, you know. It's back to school week via virtual schooling for me. And it's a very mm. uh, complicated feeling because, like, I grew up with dial-up in my early days. You know, internet was there for me when I was my kid's age. My earliest chats with my wife were sort of back when we were in high school together and doing aim chat so like i respect the internet i love it I, it's it changed my life in profound ways but watching my kids my kindergartners start school over video chat is just he's so happy he loves it but it's also heartbreaking at the same time we're, we're sort of watching our, i think it's a lot for the teachers to take in the teachers are trying to adapt kids are trying to adapt it's tough all around so it's been an overwhelming week trying to get that up and running the remote school thing is a challenge for everybody i i think uh you know i've got two school-aged children myself and i do not envy the teachers i think that that is a very daunting task to try to teach and engage children over the internet but the reality is is that well the virtual reality is that someday this might be commonplace this might be the new norm uh, that, that's the conversation we've had in our house quite a bit in the last couple of weeks is, is this the new norm? And honestly, we don't know, but we do know that we have technology that makes this uh, feasible. I mean, look at what we're doing right here. We're literally having a broadcast news show. Yep. And none of us have left our houses. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to have both those thoughts in my head at the same time. Like, I'm, we're literally on the cutting edge here with our hand tracking and, uh, some of the best avatars, there's obviously Altspace has some great new avatars. Uh, there's other avatar tech out there, and there's a, one that I think just raised money. The headsets aren't doing any facial tracking just yet. So there's a, like a missing piece here. There's a lot of gaps being filled in, but we're doing the very cutting edge here. And I wouldn't replace like being able to be here with you each week is enormous to me. And I do feel super present when we're here and conversing together. So it's 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 enormous to be able to have this, but it just hurts at the same time. You know, when you see a flat screen video chat happening with uh, 30 kids and you have to swipe to get to the next set of kids because they only display nine squares on the screen. Like it's oh, just man. all the limits of all this stuff at one time become readily apparent. Teaching a kindergartner how to turn their mute off so that they can actually <laughs> oh, no. ask a question for the teacher. It's just uh, doesn't feel good. It's like that's, see it's like an limits. interaction that you. It's an interaction you don't ever expect to have to like teach a, a kindergartner. Like, and this is how you mute on Zoom. Yeah, it's the like teacher, a year ago, the, that's never something that <laughs> the teacher's got these little flashcards and like you need to see this symbol to talk to oh, me, wow. and you need to see really this symbol. The, oh, this oh, means oh. you're on mute, and it just it puts oh. in perspective how good this is and like how 
And it's it's one of those things too, you know, a couple of months ago when we started going through this whole thing with the pandemic, like, and, you know, I think like everyone, I was doing some of the video chats and stuff and those Zoom or Skype or whatever video chats are like exhausting, you know, like they it take up a lot more energy than this because you don't feel as present and it's kind of, I don't know, I still don't know exactly what it is about it, but it's just, and I know there's been studies and stuff, but it's it's so much more exhausting to be on a video chat than it is to kind of have this experience or any other kind of alternative or even just being on the phone i find you know something like the video flat screen thing is very you know feels very exhaustive that's something yeah. that my wife and i discussed at great length was you know when you've got a fourth grader when you've got a high school kid they're going back to school they've done it a hundred times you know they they're used to it but when it's a kid who is entering school for the first time uh that's pretty profound to think that their first day of school is go from the kitchen after you eat your Wheaties over to, you know, a desk in the living room or in a, a den or something, or even their bedroom and, and turn on school. And that's their first mm. day of school. And then the teacher's like, okay, here are flashcards. This is a zebra. This is an elephant. And this is how to unmute yourself. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a profound setup that I had never yeah. considered that I would see in my children. I, I assume that something like that would happen eventually, but you know, ready player one ludus style, but not like this, this is strange. Yeah. I find this a little tiring too. Like it's, but it's in a different way because we're live for that audience out there. There's like a poise we have to have to be able to respond to their comments, to remember not to say, um, we apologize when we say, um, because it doesn't come across <laughs> the internet so well. But like it's a different kind of thing, and yeah, I definitely feel a bit more relaxed in this. It's a different kind of presence. Having sitting, feeling like you're sitting in a room with a couple people is very different to a video chat for sure. I think that's obviously one of the clear benefits of this, you know, which is kind of it's very obvious. Um, but I think it's worth worth repeating because there's probably a lot of people that haven't tried this kind of experience. Not, not necessarily a podcast, but you know, in VR talking to each other, which I think is uh, the benefits of that once you do it are very, very clear in terms of the social aspect. What, what else have we got on the agenda, Kyle? So I just want to say hello to everybody who's watching live right now. I can see your chat here. Uh, so hello to folks like uh, Mike, Kara, Lord, Necton, Neon Engine, Michael H, Darth Lilyven, uh, and a couple others. Hello to all of you. Uh, keep in mind that I can see your comments here. So as you make uh, comments, we can talk about them. If we say something relevant and you want to give your two cents, this is the way to do it live during the show. We've got some great particle uh, effects going on in this studio. It's wonderful. So Ian, have you played anything fun this week? I've under embargo on something exclusive for next week that I'm I think it's going to be next week. I'm I'm working out the timing with the, the dev. Don't really want to share, but it's. I know that there are a lot of people out there very excited. Uh, it's a quest-related thing. Something cool you can do with your quest that I don't think it'll cost a lot of money. Ian, yeah. would you say it's accurate to make the observation that August seems to be a calm before the storm type of scenario yes that's a that's a wonderful way of putting it we've had this discussion with some of our commenters and people sort of what does the holiday season mean like there's some people that don't even realize that there's like a four-month period at the end of the year from september october november december where that is the home run month for all the consumer electronics companies they have to hit their home runs 
with their products during that season. They have to have enough, you know, products to put on the store shelves to satisfy all the people that want to get their products by Christmas. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, it's still a big season to buy things. It's, you know, everyone is doing their big push for that whole period. And so announcements come in September. Sometimes they ship in November. Uh, and any time in that period from like September to November is just nonstop wall to wall news. Uh, and it's not just hardware. It's also software because there's all those people opening their brand new boxes for the first time and wanting uh, lots of stuff to put on it. So it's, it's very much even summer in general can be a, a slow time for lots of new stuff because of uh, people taking summer breaks. And so uh, there will be, you know, the executives or developers or whatever company could take two weeks off and just it's like that through all summer. So like one person takes a week off, one person takes a week off, one person takes two weeks off. I, I had never thought of that. That's very funny. That can happen over summer. summer. And so yeah. things slow down uh, during those summer months, just generally because kids are out of school, they go on vacation. But I think it was a little different this year because of all the things getting delayed from the season before of March, April, May. They all got pushed into like that July time frame uh, out a couple months, pushed out there. And now we've got this. Yeah, like this calm before the storm is a great way of putting it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned about getting things to people for the holidays or Christmas or whatever it is that they're celebrating at the end of the year. Um, we have an interesting new uh, detail, uh, a challenge that uh, you can't necessarily expect to be able to go to a store on a shelf and pick up the next quest or the next game or the next piece of unique hardware that's going to come out. We don't know. Uh, what are we expecting in terms of turnaround for stuff like this i mean i know that the and it's not on our news here but uh the index shipping has uh changed a little bit uh the valve index and how long is it going to take so do we need it out as quickly as september mid-september in order to get it to put under the christmas tree yeah. or I mean, whatever when was the last time you ordered something on amazon i'm getting some i'm getting products once every two weeks off of amazon now like amazon shipping is really? pretty much two weeks out, out right now for me where I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And wow. so like I've That's... got a I've got a kid with a birthday uh in September, near the end of September, and I'm purchasing presents now, uh thinking about those those little things to grab now because I'm so concerned for that exact thing. And uh we've got all those dates floating around for PS five and Xbox. And it's a real open question like how they're going to manage like mm. i just i don't know it'll, it's it's yeah it'll be really interesting too when you think of not just um not just the stuff that we've got coming up in terms of like vr or game stuff but you've got to combine that with the kind of christmas rush that will be happening like you know as you said if you're saying you're only getting things kind of two weeks out now um imagine you know come november-ish when you've got stuff like so, I mean, in general, people will be buying more, but then you've also probably maybe got another quest. You know, we're going to have PS5, Xbox uh, Series X, all those new kind of consoles and, and new hardware and thing in time for Christmas. And, 
you think about how if the shipping delays are already kind of two weeks, it's there's going to be this huge rush towards the end of the year. It's um, it can be a a Christmas purchasing period like no other, I imagine. And, and I hate I hate to sort of be the downer, the the Debbie Downer here, bringing up the the pandemic, but it's not. I'm in the United States. Uh, Kyle's in the United States. You're in Australia, so you've got a, a different situation we're going in, on there. I mean, we're in, we're, yeah, well, in my city, we're in lockdown until probably like mid-October now. So, you know, similar. But like when you say lockdown, when you go down the street, what's the mask ratio? How many people oh, are wearing every, masks? Everyone, everyone's wearing masks here pretty much. It's like almost, <laughs> there's very, 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 very few people who don't wear them. We're heading into election and it's become a, an election issue. It's become a political issue here. Mm. So... It's like a, a show of sign of support for your candidate uh, to do one or the other. Either way, uh, in some cases, uh, for some mm-hmm. people. And I, I just like you know, I have to be that. Deb- this is it's what's on top of my mind. I think it's what on a lot of minds of a lot of people in America. Of just I want I want my kids back in school because I love it so much. But that's not going to happen until this thing is under control and the thing that helps is masks and i don't know if if we have that fall rush that has sort of been worried about that uh the numbers might increase just because of the weather or something like that um it's just very very scary to think of all the uncertainty that's out there with the pandemic still and so you have another, and, imagine and a rush it, for people doing the toilet paper runs at the same time that all these yeah. electronics are hitting the market. Mm-hmm. And, and Ian, that, that is the key right there is the uncertainty. There's a lot of stuff right now that is unprecedented and we don't know how it's going to end and we don't know what things are going to change and how long it's going to take. So there is uncertainty and it's literally affecting every industry, not just ours. Uh, but the, again, the reality of it is that we're just going to have to make the best of it and, you know, get these presents under the Festivus poll. Uh, Onakazi, I think said that in the chat, it's just (laughs) something we're going to have to deal with. So, uh, I think, I think we all understand those challenges. Harry, have you played anything fun this week? You know, this week in terms of my work day, I've been kind of updating some of our guides and, and older content. So I haven't actually tried anything new and I've not really, this is kind of the first time I've been in VR this week. Uh, uh, scandalous, I know, but um, no, I haven't really playing anything this week, but I am taking, I've got next week off, which, you know, I won't be doing anything for work, but there's a couple of the other things that because I'm often working and, and checking out for work, it's not like I have much time to, uh, you know, uh, check out kind of stuff I've been looking at in VR personally. So I really want to try, I'm a major Doctor Who nerd. Pandemic has seen me regress majorly back to being a Doctor Who nerd. So I'm going to try all the Doctor Who VR stuff my week off. Um, the Runaway, that animation, I think it's like 10 minutes or so. I haven't seen that, but you just got oh, nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, and it just got nominated for one of the Emmy categories. So I want to check that out. And there's also The Edge of Time, which I'll probably check out as well. So that's what I'm going to do next week. But I haven't really had anything, you know, a chance to do anything this week. But yeah. Yeah, like you, Harry, I have not had a lot of time this week to get into anything really VR-centric. I've played a few games with my kids, but nothing major, nothing new. Uh, But I think this weekend might be a good weekend to go check out uh, what uh, library of 360 stereo mono uh, film type of items are available. Because it's something that I'm very happy with. I'm, I'm 
it's exciting to sit down and just do some 360 stereo video. It can be very therapeutic, very relaxing. And it's just something that I haven't delved into recently. And so I think it's time to go back and check out some of the great content that's out there. Have you, uh, one thing I did try a little while ago, uh, have you, it's not technically 360 video, but along the lines of kind of sitting back and watching a movie type thing. Um, have you tried gloomy eyes on the quest? I, I have not. No, because that's at, that's really fun just to sit back and watch. It's not really interactive. You don't do anything while it's, uh, you know, you, it says it has hand tracking support, but that's the press like episode one on the menu. The whole thing's about half an hour, but it's, it's kind of like Tim Burton esque, like thing about a little grave digger zombie man, and it, the animation is beautiful. That's a really cool one to sit back and kind of relax and watch. So if you're looking for a kind of immersive, relaxing thing, that's something that I would recommend, not just yep. to you, but to everyone at home. Gloomy eyes. Fantastic. I'll have to check that out. Good stuff. Okay. Oh, wait. We're watching something here. Oh, this oh, is I think the trailer it's, this for it. The Gloomy Eyes trailer. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that's what that's it's fantastic. like. It has hand Very tracking cool. support, right? Yeah. As in, when you're watching this or when it goes through this, um, there's nothing to interact with or do, and you don't see your hands. The hand tracking support purely means like press episode one on the menu, and that's all you do with your hands throughout the whole thing. So. Hand tracking support is a bit kind of uh, a bit of an overstatement, given that you can't even see your hands while you're watching the movie or do anything with them. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's just oh, literally wow. use the menu, but yeah, but it's really cool. This it's, this, it's beautiful animation. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. animation. Um, yeah, there's some kind of performance stuff in the quest. I thought, or at least um, I kind of it, it's it's hard when you compare it to PC version to kind of go. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the placebo effect of what I'm you know kind of seeing. But it's really beautifully animated and very, very cool to watch. And it kind of does this cool stuff where it goes all around you and there's some really cool scenes in there. So, yeah, uh, would recommend oh, yeah. that as a cool thing to watch. Time for the news for this week. First news piece, HCC's cheaper Vive Cosmos Play headset won't be sold to you, the consumer. It's going to be shifted to Enterprise. Why? What? January was the last conference, CES, uh, in Las Vegas, and we had a appointment scheduled to go do the meeting with Vive, and they canceled it uh, basically as I was like on my way out to Vegas, and gave us some statements and comments uh, that were sort of indicating that things were shifting internally there at HCC, and it kind of you know, I tried to put it to them at this at that moment, like the kind of the writing is on the wall. It seems like you're going to recede from the consumer market in the West. It seems like you're going to becoming business focused. Could you could you say that? And uh, they could not say that at the time. And I've even you know heard from folks there that you know there's still a big consumer play in China, I think, and globally. You know, they're not ready to sort of say it's over, but I still have a hard time seeing how they survive with the reverb G2 looking like it's hitting a lot of the right notes. We've obviously got to get our hands on the finished review hardware in order to, uh, you know, there's a lot of impressions out there based on a prototype, on a couple prototypes that are out there that are near final hardware. Um, but we need to sort of verify that the G2 is 
everything that they, that HP says it is. Index is doing really well uh, in the Steam numbers. And then, of course, Rift S is out there at the low end with $400. And then you've got the Quest. Where does HTC sit against all of that? It seems like there's a great product and set and, and options for almost any configuration you want. And I don't see how like a... Yeah, here's the entire line, right? Uh, I love this graphic. Man. And they, you don't have what the McLaren edition up there. Where's the McLaren edition? Uh, What's the McLaren edition? It's like it's a, a vibro, it's, but orange. Yeah, oh, it's got man. A... <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole thing. It's just got like orange highlight. Is it actually called the McLaren edition or are you just calling it? It is. It it's called the McLaren it edition. It's like a yeah. team up with, with the car company. Um, I'll keep quiet on that one. That's uh, <laughs> okay. It's a choice. Um, you know, I, I think it's. Yeah, there it is. Stop. He got it. No. You can really hear the chain no. going too. When what it is, runs, it goes. What is that? I thought it'd be all orange as well. Why is there just the one? Or does oh, it have a CPU like that makes it go faster? Stress, like what I is do like the, that? That is the weirdest team up I have ever heard in my life. Especially that's not all orange, like orange accents. That thing is. You know, I'd be curious. Oh, I mean, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so anyway it, it's such a situation like I, I i feel i don't know when we when the history books get written about vr the team up between vive and htc but between htc and sorry valve was um so important and so pivotal if you if you go back to 2016 you've got the Rift shipping out there with a gamepad at the same time that the Vive is shipping with room scale and two-hand controllers. And so many devs jumped in headfirst into room scale, two-handed controls right there. Uh, Facebook had their typical like dev relationship partnerships where they were shipping out Oculus Touch controllers. And they finally got the Oculus Touch controllers into consumer hands by the end of the year. But there's a period there from late 2015 into middle 2016 where so many devs were inspired to explore concepts with hand controllers and room scale tracking and having that uh, chaperone system. I almost called it Guardian, which is unfair Mm. because chaperone was out there. Uh, you know, providing you those guards uh, to keep you from going outside of your space. And it's just, it's tragic to kind of think that consumers don't have another option that is, or, or might not have another option that is keeping pace with the, the scale. But obviously Valve is out there kind of raising its flag and saying, we're, we're still here. We're still doing a great job. And if you want, uh, amazing, you know, you can hold the controllers behind you tracking. We're here. So I need to ask what a I... question. I need to ask a question about the Cosmos. And it's related to the concept of going purely enterprise. Uh, what happened to this being powered by a phone? Yeah, so, so, so the full story there is when they did the when was that? Was that last? Was that CS 2019? Was that a year yeah. ago? 
two yeah, years. So it, yeah, so yes, so two years ago, almost two years ago now. So we go to CES, and they've got this is the this is the event where they did their basically their last press event at CES in Las Vegas, where we go into the room and they have all the journalists encircled in sitting in chairs in the middle of the room and all the Vive representatives are standing around in a circle. And then the HTC people, they didn't even, I don't think they even bothered to live stream this themselves. Uh, I'm pretty sure was, David did, didn't he? And he got like a yeah. thousand views because he did it on his phone. <laughs> and we had horrible internet because we're, we've yeah. got the cell signal trying to get through the darn yeah. uh, hotel yeah. walls that are trying to keep you contained inside the, the Las Vegas casinos. All right, so we're sitting there in the middle <laughs> of this this group of HEC employees on the outside of the room, and they make their announcements, and all the journalists are quiet and just like looking up. But everyone on the outside of the journalists is clapping, sort of like it felt like you were in a zoo or something with all these employees around you telling you, this is great news, this is great news. And in that whole presentation, they showed this single image of a giant, you know, phone, an outline of this giant phone sitting in the back of the headset there, sort of hinting, yes, this is a convertible device but, that will eventually be powerable by a phone. And that has Was that the Cosmos or, the, or was that this, that was that meant to be the, the full Cosmos? It was meant to go into the actual, like, um, or was it like the Cosmos Play or I can't remember when I, this thing I was. was under the that was before they differentiated the them, I think. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, I think an interesting point with this there that I saw go. someone bring up. There, there it is. Go. You yeah, got the so, image. Yeah. So that single yeah. image was shown in their press release or in a, you know, that presentation at CS a year ago. And it's like, what can you say about that image? It looks like you want to power this by a phone. And they're just like, snicker, snicker, I can't say anything. Uh, that's That was sort of the... <laughs> The official press comment. <laughs> hey, powered by a ghost I tried phone. to work my magic. I worked that room hard that day, Ian, and and I could not get anybody to say <laughs> anything except for it'll happen later. Like it'll happen later was the answer I got yeah. after poking what, what, and prodding for it. Were you in the Very room odd. when that when the, when the clapping thing happened? Were you there in, with the with the? Weird... I was there the whole time. I was there for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it was very. Uh, bizarre <laughs> but that, that's the only way i can explain it uh you know th the reason i brought all this up though is the fact that we're switching from a consumer to a uh a business enterprise type of product this feature suddenly becomes way less important than uh mm. it would have for consumers is that do you guys agree <sighs> with that um well, it depends what kind of experience you're trying to provide. I'm I'm sort of so one of the things I have been doing this last week is I've been diving, spending more time in the Pico Neo 2i. And uh I got the Engage platform up and running on it. That's one of the apps that's through the Pico store. So that's the social platform from immersive VR education. I always I always mess up the order of how they put those three things in their name. But I think it's immersive VR education. They're based in Ireland. Uh, they they made the Apollo 11 experience way back when that was kickstarted. They've done a, several other projects. The like Titanic that. is theirs as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they've got this Engage platform that they 
license or have available for teachers and various museum type experiences to come in and build. It's more or less like a, a VR chat experience, but it's very much tailored for more business use or for schools to set up uh, education programs or art programs. And I'm using the Pico Neo 2i, and I just picked a random room, one of their rooms that they had up and running, and went and had this conversation with a, a group, a couple people that were in Utah who have sort of like an art gallery up and running. And I'm demonstrating the, the tracking on the right. Pico controllers where you can hold the controllers behind your back and uh, they don't disappear. They still stay there behind your back, even, even if they're behind you, um, because that's what that controller technology is. And all this to say that it was interesting to see that demonstration. If you've got a very specific use case for a VR headset, if you need it for something like Engage or and you want to outfit 30 people and have them meet in a social service at some event or to distribute these headsets to homes and have them come into like pre-installed specific space you want them all to go to, the case for a headset like a Cosmos or a Pico kind of starts to make sense in if you view it through those that very specific. You've only got one thing you need to do with this headset, and you've got a software developer ready to make the stuff for the headset to put it out into use, and so like uh, that's the that's where these headsets like Pico Neo Two are headed, and where Cosmos is headed is is very specific use cases that businesses will have a dev build out something for that headset and for people to, to do it. I still I'm undecided. I'm not going to say it's a better choice than a, than a quest for a thousand dollars or a rift S or a, even an index because there's lots of other things to consider when you're trying to outfit people for a headset. But you know, that's, that's the thing that HCC is moving towards. It's like, specific use cases that's the that was all their messaging was museums and uh what was the other thing um yeah enterprises museums like and obviously all the museums in lots of places yeah. are closed quest has the flexibility to wireless and the link thing you know it looks like the g2s thing we don't really know about the tracking yet but the g2s kind of optics and and the screen uh, is obviously going to be a higher resolution than everything else you got the index has that kind of you know, uh, tracking behind your back with the room scale and all the things the index is good at. And the whole point was kind of like, where does what what any of these, whether it's the Cosmos Play or just the Cosmos, or where does what is HTC's kind of you know thing that they have that's better than the the competition? Like, what's the good part of this? You know what I mean? You can kind of look at every the headset and go, well, if you want this, you'd get that headset, or you get that, or you get that. And it just doesn't feel like uh, any of these HTC headsets at the moment have something that is kind of selling point that they do better than it, the other thing, you know? Ah, wireless. Yeah, that is, hmm. that is true. But Okay, well, we'll, we'll just have to see what yeah. happens. We'll see what happens. Let's move on to the next piece of news for this week. Oculus, Unity, and Unreal SDKs say bye-bye to the Oculus Go support. So in other words, if you decided yesterday that you'd like to be an Oculus Go developer, you kind of <laughs> missed the boat. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Ian, I'm pretty sure you're satisfied with this result. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been talking to the developers who have been deprecating their Oculus Go apps. Uh, it's sort of, it is a dead platform. Um, so it makes sense that it would, it's just one more nail in the coffin. Um, again, I, I kind of, and I feel bad that we're losing the $200 price point. I understand how many people can't afford $400 or even above that. So like, it's, it's definitely tough for the VR market to lose that for developers to lose access to those people, to, to, to that sort of market share schools, all those, you know, all those schools that could make use of a three off headset to give a 360 immersive video. I have just been so adamant that it's too uncomfortable for too many people and too many people will find it a, I, I've just seen so many people lean around the moment they get the go in their heads and kind of take it off and go, that's VR. And I don't think the VR market needs that anymore. I think it's, it's time to just move on and it's good to see, I guess that that's kind of progressing. I have noticed uh, that there are numerous products, new products that are just coming out right now or have just been announced recently that are quite literally media devices. So it's like a pair of headphones that you've pulled down in front of your eyes so that way you can watch a movie. Now, the Go does that and then some, but it's being discontinued. How are products that don't do as much as the Go offers survive in a post-Go universe? Yeah, it's the same. It's it's one of those other things that become the problem for Cosmos. It, it relates really well to our last conversation where uh, if why get, if you have a very specific like VR training use case where you want to show 100 employees a 360 video of whatever they need to do for their job. And the 360 video is like you're working with a striver that's the company out there that makes uh, some of the best VR training out there. Very large company, by the way, one of probably one of the largest, if not the largest VR company uh, last I checked doing these training videos. Um, why would you get them a Cosmos? or a uh pico neo if all you need is three if all you need is three DAW for the video training purposes and even if go is gone there are some other options like a new lenovo uh three DAW headset that they're marketing more towards the business use cases you don't need uh lighting you don't need the head track lighting so you can you can have bad lighting for a three DAW headset so you can use that headset theoretically in more places. Uh, so even without the Go and with sort of Oculus saying, we're focusing specifically on Quest. And yes, you could like activate a 3 off mode in the Quest if you really need to uh, use it in those types of situations. Um, it's, it's tough. It's, it's another example of when you've got something like Lenovo out there and it works in those extra conditions and maybe the pricing works out when you bulk order them in bulk, like 
you need to buy 30 of those Lenovo 3DOF headsets, you can probably, I would imagine, get them for much cheaper than 35 Cosmoses that you would have to hook up to PCs or Vive Focuses that have the cameras on them. So I don't know. It's tough. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Harry, have do you have a go, Harry? I do not. I have put on a go for about 10 minutes. Uh, I was visiting Tatiana probably about a year ago now or a little bit more. Yeah. Um, that's how, I actually tried that's about to how it. long most owners put it on too. <laughs> I tried it. I, I tried the quest first, actually. And it's funny because um, it would be more than a year ago now. But yeah, it's funny because you say that that, that thing about leaning. I have talking about three doesn't necessarily go, but I did that with I was given some promotional thing, gave me a, a cardboard type thing I could chuck my iPhone into. And I remember knowing that that wasn't kind of the full, you know, VR experience, but still being disappointed at that when you try and lean and it kind of doesn't match up. But yeah, no, I, I when I was over there, probably more than a year ago now, I don't know quite when, I was playing around with the Quest, which I didn't own a Quest at the time, and I was playing with her Quest. And then I saw the Go, and I was kind of like, oh, and I chucked that, chucked that bad boy on for 10 minutes. And uh, I mean, yeah. It is. It is a. It is what it is. That being said, the the weight difference was, I mean, obviously a lot lighter. But um, it was. I wasn't expecting it to be kind of that light. I guess See, it was still. I, I was have, like, wow, it's really light. I have a go right here. I'm actually mm. here. I am holding a go right now, uh, in my hands. This is an Oculus Go on the VR download. See there it's present um <laughs> i use this uh probably once a week maybe really? uh i haven't done it in a while because i haven't been consuming a lot of uh content but <laughs> for 360 you, video, can't say, <laughs> you can't say i do it once a week but i haven't done once a week lately <laughs> well okay <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I do it once a week, every now and then. <laughs> okay, I do it a lot. It works one hundred percent of the time, or what was exactly. that? that's right. Fifty percent of the time, it works one hundred percent of the time. That's right. Yeah, uh, I haven't, I haven't used it. It's probably completely dead now that I look at it uh, right now. But I was using this as my primary consumer uh, to to consume three sixty video. Uh, this was it because this is comfortable. The strap and the way it fits around my big, thick uh, hipster glasses, it works really well. Uh, there are pieces of this that I am going to sorely miss, but I understand that it needs to die. So, um, yeah, it's just it just depends on what you're into, I guess. So rip Oculus Go fairly well. Favorite weekly device that you use once every six months. Exactly. Thank you. That, that's the perfect <laughs> way to say it, Harry. Thank you so much. Hey, let's move on to the next piece of news. Uh, Mozilla. Mozilla lays off 250 people. Uh, teams working on XR-related projects were affected by these layoffs. Holy cow, 250 people. Uh, are their projects dead? Are their projects that got canceled now? I have so many questions. Who wants to start talking about this? Very interesting that we're doing this in the shadow of the Fortnite situation. It appears Epic has filed a lawsuit against Apple due to anti-competitive, uh, you know, ac alleged anti-competitive stuff. The the full story there being that Fortnite is paying uh, a significant chunk of revenue to Apple. You know, Epic doesn't need Apple to do anything for them. Epic is going to take care of 
their customers and their service. So it's like a tax to Epic to have to pay to be on Apple's platform. And so there appears to be a very uh, well-orchestrated attempt on Epic's part. The very first words of the lawsuit are, in 1984, which is, of course, a reference to Apple's 1984 ad when the original Macintosh came out, referencing this dystopian future where one con- company controls everything. And the, the the issue that has happened over the last decade is it's not one company controlling everything. It's two companies controlling most everything when it comes to mobile phones. That's Google and Apple. And more or less the argument right now is that mobile browsers, browsers period, across all devices, are down to those two companies. There's Apple controlling WebKit uh, and their browser system, and then there's Chrome, and everything is built on Chrome's underlying system. And with only those two choices for other sort of browsers to build on and options to be built, they can dictate terms about how the web works. So I'm working on a story on this right now, and hopefully uh, next week, I early next week, I will get it out. I've got comments from several people who are involved in the specifications being written for WebXR and previously WebVR before that. And there were efforts to put the web uh, VR on the web a decade ago, a long time ago. And I'm reaching out to all those people and sort of collating all the comments to try to tell the story of what does 250 people and all these teams at Mozilla being lost mean for the future of VR on the web? I've tried to join hubs a couple times, and it was such an interesting idea, but it requires support from Google and Apple for it to be meaningful to 90% of the people out there. And otherwise, you can't play, you can't join this thing from that device. And so like you've got something like Rec Room, which is is available on almost every device. And you've got something like Fortnite, which is available on every device. But they're all native experiences and they're all having to go through app stores and having to pay their, argued, a tax to the parent company where the web should be capable in theory. And and there's there's a lot of people that want the web to be able to have this, all the graphics capabilities that these native apps do. And it just is always lacking. It's always one step behind. And it's like, it, it always catches up and it's able to do amazing things. And there's so many, there's, there's just this argument that the things you can do with the web is magnitudes larger than what you can do in a native experience across at at the end of the day. And uh, a lot of the things underpinning our app experiences are web-based or internet. Like there's, there's plumbing that's done behind the scenes that is related to the technologies that companies like Mozilla work so hard to standardize with all these other companies and it's just it's Mm. very scary to think about apple and google sort of teaming up on certain things like i don't know video codecs and uh digital rights management that could maybe move the web forward but move the web forward only in ways that benefit those mega corporations 
and so, losing so, so let me, this company. Let me yeah. pause you right there, Ian, because our hot topic, I think, is going to be very relevant to you. Uh, yeah. because sort of a similar conversation to where you're leading us yep. right now. You mentioned it's uh, you know, looking at what's happening with Epic and Apple right now, and I find that whole situation unreal. Oh. <laughs> I had to. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, the, the one, leave one thing I want to add here is the, the company did say, uh, Mozilla did say, that Hubs is part of their plan going forward. So the Hubs team doing that work, there's still people working on Hubs. Uh, the question is, what what does that look like in six months? Uh, might they spin it out? Might they? Yeah, it's always been, it's, a, it's an unusual company. So I don't know how they'll structure that team going forward and what that, that sort of social networking, internet-based social networking in VR looks like in, in well, six months' time. I think that they're going to continue to use this stuff. It just might be a different structure. I don't think that those people leaving means that this is dying. At least it, that's what I think. It doesn't mean it's dying, but it, it does mean that maybe they don't negotiate or push the specs in the ways that represent everyone. Like if, if they aren't in the room where it happens, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not going to sort of speak up for the little guy necessarily. And that's, I think, fear at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm sure, Ian, you'll dig up some more dirt and write some articles and we'll all be in the know <laughs> on what's happening at Mozilla. <laughs> all right. Uh, so our last piece of news this week is uh, The Walking Dead Onslaught. Uh, it's Coming this September. Uh, who wants to tell us more about that? Well, Go ahead, I've, got, I've got some some thoughts on this one because uh, this just broke recently. So I watched all the, I read the article and watched the stuff before I came on the show. Now, this is interesting. I think this game because originally it was going to be a co-op. Obviously, there's been the uninitiated. There's the Walking Dead season sinners, which is set in the Walking Dead universe, but it has a very kind of stylized look to it. It's said it. Uh, completely different area um, and, you know, has different characters. It's kind of like just using the universe slash brand of The Walking Dead, right? But this is kind of meant to be like a, a game that's set in the, the show with the show's characters with Daryl and, and Rick and Carol and all the other ones that sound similar. Originally, it was going to be um, a co-op game you could play with your friends. Um, it's been delayed. I think it's like almost a year of delays now. Um, it's meant to be out ages ago. And it's kind of releasing, uh, you know, in the shadow of Saints and Sinners, which is uh, kind of a, a, a an unexpected success in that I don't think anyone really thought it would be as, as good as it ended up being or kind of, it wasn't certainly wasn't on as many people's radars. It kind of blew up a bit after release. Um, but what I think is interesting about this is now they've said no co-op, they're doubling down on the story side, which is a bold choice considering the one thing it had that was quite different from Saints and Sinners was that it was co-op. Um, I mean, there, I mean, there's more differences, but you, you kind of get what I mean. You know, it, it, the co-op thing was a very big point of difference, whereas now there's no co-op. They've got rid of that. It, they're focusing on the story and you play can play as the characters, as you can see Rick and Daryl from the show. Um, but I just think it's interesting that their, their response to the Saints and Sinners kind of clash and that you've got these two Walking Dead VR games in a, on a platform that is already saturated with zombie games as it is, um, they've kind of gone to make it not more similar to Saints and Sinners, but they've doubled down on the story aspect, which is interesting given that 
that was kind of one of the things that that Saints and Sinners focused on. But well, it's separate. Obviously, got the yeah. It's just it, I, I I guess it's it was interesting because I believe that even some like David and Ian played demos where they were doing co-op stuff, and that was kind of the big focus. So it's interesting that's that's gone. But obviously, I think now the draw card they're trying to play here is that you can play as these these iconic characters from the show. And it's funny because I used to watch The Walking Dead. I, it's still on, I think. I haven't watched it in years. But um, It's funny, Harry, because you're saying a lot of the stuff that I said while you guys were gone. Like, I used to watch like the show. I used to love the show. I used show, to watch it all it just, the time. But and, uh, anyway, but yeah. what I think is funny is that watching that trailer this morning, I noticed that, like, I don't know if this was originally in the, the older footage, but in this footage from today, when Rick shoots his gun, it has, like, the... They've, they've put in the same animation flick that Rick has in the show because of the type of gun he's using. You know, he has that kind of, you watch the early seasons of the show. Yeah, it's, it's like iconic a, kind of. Yeah, it's uh, like. It's just the, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's the way he does it. And it, it's very like, yeah. it's one of those things you remember from the show. He always had that kind of flick to his, to his gun. And they've put that in. And I thought that was funny because they're so clearly trying to, you know, make it as close to, I think, these characters as they can and, and capitalize on that. So I thought it was funny to see that when you're shooting as Rick, it has that kind of signature, you know, wrist flick, uh, kind of recoil animation. But I think this will be yeah. an interesting one. I don't know where it's going to land in terms of whether people will enjoy it, whether we will enjoy it, you know, whether it's in terms of reviewing it, whether it will kind of be good and whether the public will take to it. I don't know. It's interesting. I, well, I don't I will know say where this, it fits in. It's a Servios game. So chances are it's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah uh, fingers crossed. Oh, hello, Ian. I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. Um, oh, good. One thing I wanted to add here is I'm curious, like, with it coming at the end of September, um, that's right into Halloween month, and we're still waiting on the other one, Saints and Sinners, to hit Quest. And with with there still being a launch left for Saints and Sinners on one headset, with this launching on the other headsets, I think the the amount of confusion we could be in for could be substantial, especially with people looking for the ultimate zombie game to play around Halloween. That's true. This this you isn't know, launching on Quest, is it? It's not a Quest. No, that there's been no. I don't think there's been any. Yeah, no. that. yeah. This this is similar. Having these games, it's similar to the Hulk movies. <laughs> each one of them is bad in its own right uh but and everybody seems to have one that they think is better than the others and everybody's confused that where the hulk movies fit in everyone's like wait is that original 2003 one is that part of the and you're like no that's not part of the cinematic universe it's is that ed norton no that's yes. eric Bana. no that's yeah exactly Bill bixby you what are we the, watching here you're right, right it's you know? a weird similar level of similarity and confusion yeah yeah. Yeah, that's funny. So, okay. All right. So let's get into our hot topic for the week because Ian sort of led us there. And so this is the ultimate segue into the hot topic. With large private corporations seemingly at the helm, will the metaverse be as open as the web, as the rest of the internet? And I, I honestly, we, think we need to identify when we're saying large private corporations what do we mean who are they and what type of control do they have over this plus the idea of the metaverse is not one individual concept everything connects it's a bunch of pieces here and there and here and there 
it's going to cause some of them to exist in the future and then others fall off. Uh, What's going to happen here? I don't know. Ian, why don't you pick up where you left off and see if you can incorporate all this? Um, Okay. I think there's that acronym that's, that's becoming popular. Uh, FANG, I think is what it is. F A A N G uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, I think is what the assumption Mm -hmm. is there. Those are the those are the companies that represent the vast majority of internet traffic. If there's someone going to a website, what ninety five, ninety eight even percent of the traffic that people do would probably be on those would be somehow powered in some way by those companies, those specific companies listed, and. It's we. I kind of went through some of these things earlier, but we've got avatars, digital rights management, standards, um, paying people for access to their services. There's this this list of things that uh, video codecs. That was another one um, that require cooperation between these companies in order to make sure that when people buy things stuff that they want to do with them works and it requires it's it's always this frenemy situation between these companies that any step forward has to kind of work on some level with all the other companies in order for everyone to be happy and and to unlock an even bigger mark than the markets we had before and the scary thing is when you're when you're talking about it it sort of is built upon so many of these different underlying layers we've got openxr which got out into the wild in a very important way over the last year webxr used to be web vr used to be other technologies before that standardization between these systems happened before sort of Mozilla cut all these people. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of things put in place that could ensure some of these things work into the next layer. But I don't know. There's a lot of things like 3D scanning where we're on the cusp of being able to, we we had a, I can't think of its name right now, started with the T Tango, Tango phones out there for a while, a long time from Google that you could do some scanning with if you used uh, a certain app. Then you've got the LiDAR scanner on the newest iPad Pro where you can do some scanning on that. But then you've got this thing that is in a 3D modeling format and you've got to scan it with textures and you can upload it to Sketchfab. But how do you send a 3D model that you captured on an iPhone to an Android phone? Is it really possible? I don't, that's not something that's likely to happen anytime soon. And so there's still friction in making all these 3D things work together. And there's work to be done to make sure people can do cool, new, fun things with 3D. And it was just, it, it, it's, it's such a long process to get 3D mainstream and to give it the mainstream appeal tilt brush is now four years old now longer than that uh being in the market where you could build a 3d thing in vr and then you've got blocks and 
Holly and all these different services that have launched over the last couple of years. And you've got six different art apps that you can use for building 3D content in VR, but sharing it, accessing it, visiting it, it's not easy. And that's where something like we're talking, we get we go full circle here back to Horizon. And is there going to be a competitor for Horizon? And is Horizon going to suck up all this content that's out there floating in various one-off services and being able to access it all in a horizon type experience. That's the the true sort of metaverse is being able to make something in 3d and then share it with friends and have in with you to see it. And you don't want to have to teach a person coding in order to make those things. And that's what the promise of horizon is. But like, like all these other things I'm saying, 3D model formats have to be standardized. Uh, what kind of headset you've got? You, what kind of system are you going to be able to access this content from? Are you going to be paying a tax to one of those five companies I named earlier in order to get on this thing? Or is it going to be accessible to stool children and people who don't have the $400 to pay for a quest? It's I, a long road. I think an interesting, this is kind of... Um, it's more of a big picture overview type thing. But I think it's interesting to think about this. I've been thinking about this and, and Facebook Horizon and other kind of, uh, you know, metaverse implications and, and things. And I think it's interesting to think of it like I was, I've recently bought, I bought a new uh, Google Nest Hub, which is a little screen on it as part of my kind of smart home setup. And I've got a bunch of Google Homes and, you know, some smart lighting and that kind of thing and, and Chromecast and whatnot. And I think that's an interesting uh, kind of framework to look at how, you know, if you look at smart homes over the last couple of years, certain things have started to kind of be cross-platform and, you know, it's easier. Like, you know, you still kind of, even though I've got a whole bunch of Google stuff, if I had an iPhone, which I don't currently, but I'm thinking of getting an iPhone, I can still install now. I can install Google Home and I can kind of control some of it from an iPhone, even though it's an Apple device. And there's now some crossover where there, you know, wasn't, especially, in, and things are starting. There's certain things that um, work on, you know, you can access from different platforms, even though they're kind of competitors and stuff now, right? Um, but it's still all of it. And there's still these kind of gaps of like certain things you go, oh, I can do most of it. But then if I wanted to do that and I had the wrong device, it wouldn't quite work the same way, right? And so it's kind of like there's certain situations with, with that kind of smart home example where um, the companies have worked together or have allowed things on different platforms because it kind of pushes everyone forward. But there's still these gaps and areas where things don't work together. Um, and I think that's interesting to think about in terms of like VR implications, you know, in terms of um, Facebook and social Facebook stuff and avatars and, and, you know, there'll probably be some things I imagine that will start to cross over and be allowed on several platforms because it kind of pushes, you know, um, everybody together forward. But I still think, of course, you're going to have those things that will be held back. Um, and it's interesting to see where the line gets drawn with that, you know. Um, I just think it's an interesting comparison because to me it's one of the it's, – it's just how I think about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw my old man mentality into this. Yeah. <laughs> Having all of these companies running everything is what's going to allow mass adoption to occur. And mass adoption, because 
you could go ask somebody if they've heard of Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Netflix, whatever. You can ask them and they've already heard of that, but ask them if they've ever heard of VR chat. Ask them if yeah. they've ever heard of VTime. Ask them if they've ever heard of Facebook Horizon, specifically Horizon. You have a bunch of things that are open source or are more open and not being controlled by a big corporation, but nobody knows what they are. Uh, mm. I remember 20 plus years ago, 30 years ago, well, maybe not 30, but 20 at least. Oh, everybody will be running Unix, Linux. Everybody will be doing Linux because everybody hates <laughs> the big bad Microsoft, you know? <laughs> but where is Linux? Like, I have one laptop that has Linux on it that I use for Android rooting and whatnot. <laughs> but that's all I use it for. That's as I've, as I've said, well, everyone has that one friend that's like, you know, the major Linux user and trying to convince everyone that the world should switch to Linux. And it's like, right, there's always everyone has right. one person. But it's not a, yeah, exactly. But I mean, 20 plus thing. years of hearing that, it still hasn't happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah. The, the problem there is that the underlying pieces that are Linux are, are parts of Android, right? Like, I don't Correct. know if Android well, yeah. is is what it is without those pieces there that are part of this cooperative effort. I, I liked your the comments you made about the the smart home, and it's a very interesting kind of brick wall for uh, cooperation because mm. uh, there's such divergent market strategies of like trying to profit from these things you've got amazon partnering with uh amazon and google i think partnering with sort of local cities and police departments to try to like get different size, sorts of services up and running then just apple's strategy of trying to profit on hardware alone um and then services you know trying to make a service that they actually make a profit just because it costs taking your tax as some people try to present it um the, the the thing that i thought was interesting about the home analogy is this to take it full circle with the metaverse concept uh i was looking at this uh hub that comes from i think hugh phillips hugh has this hub where you can plug in an hdmi cable into the hub and then have it come out the other end to your tv and in theory, what you can do with this, and there's some people have done this for like Beat Saber type presentations, uh, you have your PC running, it's display into the Hue box, and then up to your TV, and then you've got these Hue lights set up around your room that match the room lighting to whatever is on uh -huh. the display. And what you have at the end of uh, at the end of doing all that is a very immersive party feel, where you're in VR doing you know, you've got the full immersive experience, but all your friends sitting there in the room are watching a TV screen there. And they're getting kind of a, a drawn into your world a little bit more because when you're looking at the green landscape and all the grass, there's green all around them in the room. And you're getting this sense of, of just slight immersion. To take That's this cool. to the ultimate end being when are we going to have that situation where the person is in VR, but uh, the people outside are wearing AR glasses and able to see what 
the person in VR is doing, or you're actually having two people in two headsets, both playing in the same world together. There's a lot of very hard problems to solve with spatial anchors that are shared between these devices without actually violating the security of any one device. You don't want people necessarily hackers looking through your headset's cameras at you at any given moment. So again, we're at like another brick wall of, of this functionality. But the thing I wanted to get to was like, when we talk about the physical, that the physicality of VR that we're missing, the haptic feedback, right now I'm using my hands to talk in the open air, but there is this, this table right here is not synced up to any real table in my real world. So I can't pound the desk and you can't hear me pound this desk. And likewise, if we had virtual wind blowing in the studio, or we were actually doing this on a mountaintop and we had wind blowing, it would be nice if, uh, if we had these technologies open enough that you could build a wind API for Skyrim or for whatever game you imagine. And build six fans all the way around your room. There are people who would do that. And I, it's such an immersion addition to be able to put those fans around your room. And then whenever the software says there's a 20 mile per hour breeze in your world, you turn on that fan and that fan to blow it in that way. You starting to combine you're you're, you're blurring the virtual and the physical worlds in such a beautiful, more, substantial way and you can have the people outside of vr either wearing glasses or holding up their phone or watching a tv and still getting the same experience you and vr are getting because that wind is blowing on you too even though you're sitting on a couch watching a tv screen the person in vr is getting the full experience because they're wearing the headset but the point of all this is we do still need cooperation between all those companies to have that kind of thing happen at the end of the day where you can add wind or smell. I don't know if we'll have smell, but wind is the one that I want. And then you've got, you can put yeah. uh, temperature, you know, put heaters above you for hotter experiences. But like those types of things are going to be so important for those added layers in the long run for VR to work. And you could have, you, you still need this cooperation at the end of the day is my whole point that that whole little yeah. essay there. No, that makes sense. I think that's a, that's a very, a very fair and valid point. And interesting to think yes. About. And everything needs <laughs> to be able to talk to itself and to other things and be able to incorporate all of this. I guess the, the big question that we don't have an answer for yet is will these big companies the, the, our corporate overlords, will they actually allow what you're saying we need to have? And mm -hmm. will they play nicely with each other? You'd think it would be something it's, very, very simple, that everybody just agrees on one thing. But, boy, that is such a hard request to make when I, this many big players well, like, are all involved in the mix. Yeah, but You, you brought up VR chat a while back, and, like, you, I I agree that more people know those other companies, but VR Chat is one of those independent players. Still at this point, it could change overnight with a big offer from one of the companies. But where that is feasible, that we can get 
those types of things, like the the things people are doing with the avatars in VR chat, aren't being done in other places that I can tell. People doing um, breakdancing in VR with those avatars and having mm-hmm. such immersive, incredible things being done in Beat Saber because the avatars are that physics active. Um, those, you know, things can still be done with the small companies just building up their shares bigger and bigger, right? They don't need to necessarily access the billion people with iPhones and the billion people with Google phones in order to move, move some of these things forward. You can do it with a VR chat to a certain extent. Yes. I think what's interesting I think what's interesting too, to go back to your point, Kyle, about them playing nice, I think for me, the question is less, will they play nice and where will the lines be of playing nice? Like, I think to some degree, we will, uh, you know, as VR gets bigger, they will have to kind of have these standards and things that, you know, cross platforms. The, the bigger question for me is at what point, like, where is the line of what's allowed and what actually they consider to be beneficial for everyone? And, you know, what things become, no, this is only on our platform or, you know, we're not playing nice with the other platforms for this thing specifically. Um, yeah. I'm glad I have hand tracking because it's all about the moolah. It's all <laughs> exactly. about the Benjamins, exactly. right? Yes. It's what they want. It's all about the money. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll tell you, my battery is getting low. And I think it's probably time for us <laughs> to wrap this episode up. So uh, what we have here is a giant question mark on the screen. I love that. Okay. Uh, as usual, I want to recommend that everyone go check out UploadVR.com for all of your latest news reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. And take a look at our YouTube channel as well. There's plenty of plenty of really great content there if you haven't checked it out already uh i don't know ian do you have something or anything that you'd like to promote yeah i've I've got that sort of thing i was hinting at earlier that i I think you've got a quest out there and i think i'll have something really cool to put on the site next week uh probably next week could be pushed the, the following week but uh shouldn't cost much and should be pretty neat uh for a lot of people out um just check uh we've like you like we said earlier in the show september to november is going to be a big time in vr and it's been a calm before the storm in these last few weeks and it's going to be building and uh starting to going to start to pick up over the next couple of weeks so definitely check in on uploadvr.com next week fantastic and harry how about you anyone to push um, well, I was just going to say, at the moment, we've been as it's been a bit of a come before the storm thing, as we've said, but uh, we have been trying to update a lot of our, our lists this month and this week, particularly, and create some new lists. So um, I know Jamie's been doing re going back over a lot of like our best Steam VR games, best PSVR games, best Quest games, um, and there's been a lot of really good uh, solid additions to those lists. Uh, we're getting to the point now where it's kind of hard to something is getting you know kicked off or bumped off that are really it's hard to make those decisions and it, the game the lists are going really meaty. Um, so there's a lot of those have been updated. Uh, you know a lot of our Beat Saber custom Beat Saber installation guides have been updating side quests out of sideload guides. Uh, we've been running new quest guides 
Um, so there's a whole bunch of new kind of lists and, and guides and updated things we've been uh, working on this week. So worth checking. And I want to say, I want to say, you know, go leave your comments on those guides if you've got disagreements. We're not perfect. We've got our own opinions about things, and if there's good content that you think should be known by people, those comments fields aren't so big that you can't get through them. So definitely, you you can sort of speak up for your dev and yes. your game that you let love us, and add to what, those what lists. Think, for sure. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. And I want to thank all of you for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next week for another wonderful episode of the VR Download. I'll see you in the future.